Magandang araw, Podmates! Ang ating guest ngayon ay malawak at sarisaring iniisip tungkol sa lipunan, youth culture at identities, religion at ang epekto nito sa mga relasyon natin, yung issues ng LGBTQ community. Siya si Dr. at Professor Jail Cornelio, na kamakailan ay ginawad na TOIM Awardee bilang isa sa mga outstanding young Filipinos. Magandang araw sa'yo, Jail, at congratulations! Magandang araw, Sir Howie. Maraming salamat. Karangalan ko po na maging kasama kayo ngayon. Hey, thank you. The, the honor is ours. Prof, no, you're, uh, you're a sociologist, uh, one of the better known uh, younger sociologists in our country. No? Please define though, in a nutshell, ano bang inaaral at ginagawa ng isang sociologist? Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, ang mga sociologists pa ay rebelde. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I would put it because we understand social constructs how reality is socially constructed how everything can be analyzed critically that's a, that's a cheeky way of defining my work as a sociologist kaya, uh, kaya ang mga topics na pinag-uusapan ng mga sociologists ay the controversial ones religion for example gender no? sexuality so in other words there are no sacred cows for us sociologists pero siguro the way that could be uh, one way that the that everybody could understand it better is that sociologists try to understand what is happening in our society at kung paano yung mga pagbabagong yun ay nakakaapekto sa bawat isa sa atin so nagbago ang ekonomiya ano epekto nun sa atin migration for example pagtaas ng unemployment uh, pagbabago sa mga politika nagkakaroon ba ng mga restrictions sa mga freedoms natin halimbawa ano yung nagiging effect nito sa mga tao at paano lumalaban ang mga tao for example uh, religion no? paano nagbabago ang religion people would say that oh young people are losing their faith the sociologists would ask is it true uh, why and if it is true why and how so you know how is religiosity changing among our among our young people yeah i'll pick up on the rebelde short definition ano i kasi i noticed that in uh, a number of your uh, articles and in your talks no you try to demolish certain stereotypes you you expose um, contradictions sa ating lipunan no and you know sa lipunan natin is so exasperating in some ways confusing confounding Maraming kailangan ipaliwanag, no? And I think you try to do that. But let's start with the youth, no? Meron kang librong inedit at uh, co-wrote, no? Uh, recently, uh, Rethinking Filipino Millennials, no? Uh, label yan ng isang buong henerasyon, ng kabataan, a very familiar label or branding, no? Uh, a lot of Filipinos, a lot of people around the world would call themselves millennials. Uh, depende sa kung kailan sila ipinanganak and uh, you look like you are in that uh, category as well pero may stereotypes kasi yan di ba uh, as you've uh, described no uh, and we've all heard the stereotypes no um, you're empowered but self-centered ambitious uh, passionate you know uh, woke uh, etc but basically yung isang theme mo, no? isang thesis mo ay useless itong mga stereotypes nito, itong mga description na to, no? uh, And in fact, in one talk, you even called generational labels in general, treacherous, no? O taksil. Strong word, no? So you need to explain that for us. Ano bang kailangan natin pag-isipan ulit o i-rethink tungkol sa Filipino millennials, mga Pilipinong kabataan? Galing. Nako. Ang galing, ang galing-galing na tanong na yan, Sir Howie. This, is re- this really excites me kasi I've napansin ko dito sa Pilipinas, meron tayong tendency to copy wholesale mga ideas or concepts generated in the North America. 
kasama dyan yung mga generational labels. Problema yan ng mga social sciences around the world. Pero dito sa Pilipinas, malinaw na malinaw ito sa larangan ng pag-aaral ng mga ng kabataan at ng generational change. So obviously, people say, oh, millennials, no? Tapos ngayon may gen, ano na to, uh, gen Z. Tapos mayroon nang nag so ito daw yung mga pinanganak ng mga uh, ng mga mm-hmm. late 1990s onwards tapos mayroon daw emerging na generation alpha 2010. Yung mm-hmm. mga ganong categories sir ay nagwo-work yon in the context of North America because of their history. Mm-hmm. The reality is that from a sociological perspective, hindi mo pwedeng sabihin na lahat ng pinanganak in 1992 or 1982 mm-hmm. belong to this generation mm-hmm. uh, anywhere in the world. Bakit? Kasi each country has its own history. And generations are in fact shaped by their own historical experiences shared by many, many people who were born or alive at that point in time. So sa Amerika, malinaw na malinaw yung uh, baby boomer, for example, because they were born at the time when the population was growing and the economy is growing. This is right after World War II, di ba? Nag-uwian yung mga sundalo. Oh, oh, okay. Exactly. So, so yung population nag-decline and then nag-boom. No? Sa Pilipinas, yung karanasan natin ng tinata- yung baby boomers na yan, bumangga yan sa maraming mga bagay. Eh. Yung economic uh, growth, yeah? totoong may economic growth tayo, uh, may population growth, totoo, pero mayroon tayong sumabay na martial law. Mayroon mm-hmm. dictatorship, no? So, yun yung, yun yung complication doon, na hindi naman na-experience ng somebody who was born in that time, at that time in North America or in Western Europe. So, doon pala makikita nyo na na may ibang karanasan yung mga Pilipino that could have in fact shaped their consciousness. So, in that sense, we can even argue there is this martial law generation. O ano pa, um, pagdating na 1980s, di ba, nagsimula ang pagpapadala natin ng mga OFWs 1970s. Kailan pinanganak yung mga anak nila? 1980s. Isa ako doon, Sir Howie. No? Isa ako doon. Tapos ang tawag sa akin ay millennial. Pero dun sa pagbinasa natin ng mga ang mga nasasabi at naisulat na tungkol sa mga millennial, we don't really hear anything or read anything about mm-hmm. these are young people who were born to OFW parents in the 1980s. Kasi ikokopyahin lang natin yung sinabi ng North America na ito ay mga digital natives or sila ay mga tech savvy. Pero sa Pilipinas, actually, Marami dito, ito yung mga anak ng mga aspirational middle class, mga nagtrabaho sa Middle East or naging seaman or in the 1990s, naging mga domestic helpers in Hong Kong and Singapore. Again, that is another historical moment that shaped and continues to shape young people today. So yun okay. yung mga ganun nating dapat tingnan. Let's circle back to itong... Uh usefulness or uselessness ng branding. No? Okay, so malinaw na itong mga nakasanayan natin na, na generational labels na millennial, baby boomer, uh, even yung mga Gen Z, ganyan. No? I mean, galing yan sa American pop culture uh, or even uh, their own uh, historical categories. No? Pero you also mentioned local experiences, Philippine experiences. So, so maybe labels are not really that useless, but maybe they should just be more appropriate. Would you think that certain generations of Filipinos, katulad ng nabanggit mo na ikaw ay uh, anak ng uh, OFW nung panahon na dumami nga yung mga OFW o nag-uwian yung mga ibang OFW, no? um, may mga historical experiences na nagde-define din sa mga generations uh, sa atin. So maybe we need to have our own labeling um kasi yes. ako, I, i i consider myself part of the martial law generation at the same time i've also been called part of the baby boomer the tail end no i, I was born the same year as obama no 
to give you an idea of how old I am no but you know mas marami mas marami siyang puting buhok pero hindi naman ako naging pangulo ano so so excuse siya doon pero i'm wondering whether it's really if it can really have some meaning uh, if we make it more appropriate uh, dahil there are many in my generation who do have common experiences based in in that history meron din tinatawag na first quarter storm generation and then and then going back to itong baby boomer sakop nito yung mga hippies diba yung mga civil rights activists sa America but may equivalent din naman sa Pilipinas diba yung yung first quarter storm nga na mahaba din yung buhok yung nag-enjoy ng rock and roll lifestyle no mga panahon na yun sex drugs and rock and roll no right before martial law yung mga hippies etc na may equivalent yan in other countries no so um why not just redefine the generations and relabel them uh, para hindi naman tayo mukhang gaya-gaya it would be nice if we could do that. It would be really nice. Na pag sinabi natin millennial, lang iniisip natin ay OFW generation, right? Mm-hmm. Or mga kabataan na ito, mga anak na mga na lumalaki sila na ang consciousness nila ay makapag-abroad. Ito yung, ito yung mga nag-nursing ng 2000s, ito yung mga nag-physical therapy ng 1990s, ito mm-hmm. yung mga hanggang ngayon gusto pa rin makapag-abroad. No? So, I think it would be so much more useful if we could articulate these generations according to those shared experiences. Ang chine-challenge lang naming mga sociologists of youth, no, it's isa sa areas ko, ay uh, pag ginamit natin yung millennials, wag natin kopihin din yung mga stereotypes na nababasa natin about North American uh, young adults or youth. Halimbawa, tech-savvy, digital natives. Paborito ko yung digital natives at tech-savvy ni yan, Sir Howie, kasi itong pandemia, ipinakita niya na actually hindi tayo digital natives. Yung maraming ang Pilipino, walang kuryente. Hindi makapag-internet. Ilan ng mga kabataan na actually ngayon ay nagmomodule. Sir Howie, alam ko na in-interview mo ang aking uh, batchmate na si... Uh, nasa sa toy no uh, si Sab no and um Onkiko, and, yeah. oh, si Onkiko and alam ko na share niya rin yung experience niya and how they try to manage diba yung education yung classroom in the That's middle right. of the pandemic so mm-hmm. that already tells us na oh yung stereotype na naririnig natin uh, HR practitioners mga advertising uh, mga experts about managing the youth daw ngayon hindi nagsaswak yung kanilang stereotypes dun sa karanasan ng maraming kabataan ngayon and I think we have a responsibility, both in the academe and in the media, to highlight the real experiences of young people. And those real experiences vary uh, a great deal. No, yeah, that's I think one of your main points. Then, because you said, "Mga ito mga labels na 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 babasa natin, nakikita natin palagi sa sa mass media ay nagapply mostly to a certain income class." No, uh, yes. and then it's not just Western. Uh, yung origin niya pero and uh, ka rin binanggit na it serves mostly the advertising industry this is a mar- mostly a marketing tool no yes. we market kasi millennials this is the millennial lifestyle so ito dapat ang suotin nyo ganyan no but ang point isang point mo ay may sinabi ka uh, minsan eh na these labels are remarkable for not just what they reveal but what they conceal no exactly uh, uh, because what they conceal is uh, a very divided or unequal society. Kasi nga, pag sinabing millennial, millennial lifestyle, digital natives, mga ganyan, it implies, yan, yung mostly mga estudyante mo dyan sa atin. Yes, yung siguro, no? That's what uh, to say. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so, to me, that was quite an important insight, no? Because, ang daming generalizations ngayon tungkol sa youth that have been, I guess, disproven, um, 
in recent weeks? Yeah, no, the reality is that um, it challenges us um, adults, young adult people who are working with young people to number one, be very careful about the generalizations that we make about them. Oh, ang mga kabataan ngayon, hindi marunong sumunod. Ang mga kabataan ngayon, impatient. Ang mga kabataan ngayon ay etc., etc. I think that's one of the implications. And then number two, yung political, ano to, yung political consciousness, pwede natin to balikan mamaya, no, Sir Howie. Yung political consciousness, sa totoo lang, uh, naiintindihan ko yung yung gusto natin na makita yung mga kabataan to be more politically active and so forth. And somehow nakita natin yan in certain rallies, in certain movements in the past months, weeks. Um, pero makita rin natin na actually delikado kapag masyado natin in-expect ang mga kabataan to behave this in in this way or in that way kasi madidisappoint din tayo when in fact um, they may have a very different opinion about whom to vote for or about how to ex- how to participate politically um, ako I would even dare say na yung political participation ng mga kabataan Pilipino ngayon so totoo lang in spite of what we have seen um, in the past many years or maybe decade or so makikita natin that many of these young people are less and less interested in politics. Ang evidence ko dyan, sangguniang kabataan. Ilan na tumatakos sa sangguniang kabataan versus yung mga posisyon na open. Okay. Yung uh, sinasabi mong passivity or um, apathy no, ng kabataan. That's another stereotype, by the way. No? Na, maaaring may empirical evidence din yan. I mean, that's up to the sociologists to determine. But uh, in, in recent months kasi, uh, ang daming usapin tungkol dito sa youth, no? kasi ang daming first-time voters. There was talk for months na you know, they would make the difference. No? And they would, as a whole or in general, would vote uh, for more progressive, um, for you know, the anti-authoritarian or the more democratic candidates out there, etc. No? And there was a lot of media coverage, even, even for foreign media coverage. My, my headline as the New York Times, uh, right before the election, no? in the Philippines, young people aim to upend an election. No? Uh, yan, ang, yan ang headline dun. In other words, there was an assumption that Filipino youth, itong mga millennial voters, first-time voters, would make a big difference. However, we know how the election uh, ended up, no? And there's evidence, apparently, now that they did not vote as a as a block. They did not vote as a group. They were just as divided as most other age demographics, no? I haven't seen a, a breakdown yet. But the fact na ganun nga yung naging outcome ng election, kasi kung talagang, you know, most of, if the majority of first-time voters or youth voters voted a certain way, we would see it, di ba? And then there was one analyst uh, who said, uh, who was quoted on Twitter as saying that the Lenny Robredo campaign uh, captured the imagination of the youth, no? And then, and then may, may nag-push back sa Twitter, no? May sumagot sa Twitter. Eh kung ganun, bakit hindi nila binoto? Yeah, diba? Again, we haven't seen any age breakdown, pero kung talagang napakaraming youth ang bumoto kay Lenny Robredo, she might have won. Sa dami na mga youth voters, first-time voters, and there was so much hype, and we saw, we, we, they were very active, uh, etc. So, I, I guess this is a long pasakali uh, to the question. Meron bang youth vote? Yeah, this is okay. Great. This is an example of how generalizations are treacherous, Sir Howie. To use the word that I that you that you in, you in alluded to kanina. I, in fact, there's a breakdown, Sir Howie. I broke it down. I broke down the data, at least yung mga pulse um, survey data from so December, surveys, January, oh. February. Oh, survey. So, wala tayong exit polls, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yung exit polls, malinaw no 2016. In fact, the millennials, for the benefit, for the information of our uh, listeners, no, millennials really vo- uh, voted. At that time, yung millennials, yung mga ba- mas bata at that time, mm-hmm. voted for Duterte. 
That was what happened in 2016. Ngayon, 2022, what I did was I broke down the data according to age brackets. At nakita ko from December, January, February until March, makikita natin na actually merong increasing pattern among young people, 18 to 24. Okay? Let's call them Generation Z no? for, the, for the sake of argument. No? Marami dyan, first-time voters. Exactly. Uh-oh. Exactly. If I'm not mistaken, mga 4.5 million ang first-time voters. Mm-hmm. In totality, you know? mm-hmm. 71% Sarhawi of 80 to 24 year old voters were slated to vote for Bongbong Marcos. Mm-hmm. 71%. Mm-hmm. So, dun palang, alam ko na agad na mali itong stereotype na it's a uh, anti authoritarian vote, progressive vote, woke vote, historically conscious vote, everything that you find on Twitter, na mga kabataan na woke, no, quote unquote. Hindi yan yung pattern na makikita mo when you look at the general statistics or the general survey data. So doon pala magigising na tayo na parang merong counterintuitive finding doon. In fact, Sir Howie, it's the older people, 65 years old and above, who are really divided. Parang 50-50 eh. Or sorry, parang statistical tie. No, sorry, not 50-50. Statistical tie um, between uh, Lenny Robredo and Bongbong Marcos. Eh, eh di ba ang kumakalat na stereotype eh, yung mas matatanda ang mas inclined bumoto kay Bongbong Marcos at yung mas bata daw ang mas inclined bumoto kay Lenny. But in reality, hindi. It's the total opposite. no? So, at least dito sa dalawang ends of the spectrum, ha? demographic spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, doon pala makikita na natin na um, generalizations are dangerous. Okay. But maybe those generalizations need to be nuanced. <laughs> yeah. I don't, know, I, I don't know if that's a contradiction in terms, no? But pag sinabing Filipino youth na may ganitong characteristics, maybe we should uh, qualify that as saying the visible, the, the Filipino youth who are visible in media during the campaign, they were visible on social media, sila yung gumagawa ng mural, sila yung mga nagda-dance videos. But may stereotype din na itong mga sumama sa sa mga sa pink movement ng mga youth are mostly middle class youth, no? And I think it's uh, or upper class even, uh, you know, the woke youth. Um uh, maaring mas solid pa yon if you qualify it in that way. Kasi if you talk about just a demographic based purely on age, syempre, ang karamihan ng Pilipino, no matter what age, ay nasa CDE. No? But when you say AB, kasi nakita ko yung, ano eh, yung election voting outcome according to communities in particular cities, kita mo yung mga gated subdivisions ay puro nag-pink. No? Yeah. Uh, and then the ones outside those gated subdivisions, mostly Marcos. No? So makita mo talaga yung at least in, in some parts of uh, NCR may class divide talaga yung boto. So maybe we can say the same thing about the youth, no? So um, maybe there's not a Filipino youth vote but maybe there's a middle middle class university based Filipino youth vote. Yes. Yes. So we need to qualify it that way. It's it's a very good point that you're making, sir Howie. Yes. In fact, um, that's also uh, it, it affords us a very critical understanding now in retrospect, really, di ba? Sino yung visible? Sino yung nag-project ng image of the youth vote? Mm-hmm. 
Of course, it's important to talk about this now in with reflexivity and with honesty, diba? Kasi in preparation for what might happen in the next six years and how we can mobilize young people. Hindi naman natin ikinakailan na a lot of uh, young people who participated in the brink movement at marami kaming mga academics at mga uh, nasa media, sangkot din doon, hindi naman natin may dedena yun. Right? Organic yun. Hindi yun pinili. At marami, at broad-based yun. No? Hindi lang talaga middle class or upper class. Pero in terms of visibility, makikita natin university-based. Marami dyan ang, ang may access talaga sa sa internet for example or can speak uh, can 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 communicate in english mm-hmm. at nakik- at pinatunayan yan hindi lang nung mga nakita niya tama na doon sa mga analysis ng mga gated subdivisions but also university based surveys sir how mm-hmm. we solid no? doon uh, solid solid mm-hmm. and that already mm-hmm. is very telling na mukhang ibang sektor ang university based na kabataan doon sa kabataan na wala sa universidad at muli Another nuance yan, if I could use your word. Nuance ulit yan. Okay. Sige, I mean, we can talk about this for a long time because it's such a fascinating uh, aspect of your work. no? But but back to the labels. Yung pandemia ay isang common historical experience. Well, it's not even historical yet. no? <laughs> it's a current experience. So, would, I mean, years from now, do you think the generations, not just one, but the generations living through this pandemic will be known as the pandemic generation? And, and uh, it's not just confined to one country. I mean, years from now, mga lolo't lola in so many countries will can exchange, you know, war stories about the pandemic, you know, the people who died, how they they were you locked down for 2 years and not able to see anyone, etc. I was thinking there are very few experiences in history where almost the whole world could share in it, no? I mean, not even world wars. Not every country was involved in the world wars. No world war, may mga neutral diyan, may mga malayo, pero ngayon, 'di ba? Kahit nasa nasa Alaska ka o nasa remote area ka, nasa Sagada ka, I mean, naka-lockdown ka, no? May mga nakakalusot na COVID, no? Sa sa, sa community mo. Yeah, sir, how we tama ka. This is exactly why generations cannot be age-based. So pag age-based ang generational definition natin, what we are really talking about is in the in the in the parlance of the sociologists, I cohort pinanganak in 1982 hanggang 1992. For example, that's an age cohort. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they are a generation. Kasi ang mas titingnan natin, ano yung mga shared experiences at yung mga shared experiences ba na yun ay nagkaroon ng impact sa kanilang consciousness, lifestyle, political choices, economic choices. So, puede, therefore, for the sake of argument and in the light of that definition, that there could be a global pandemic generation na matanda, bata, doesn't really matter because lahat tayo dumaan sa karanasan na meron tayong nagkasakit na kamag-anak, namatayan tayo, lahat tayo na lockdown, etc. But that's not, that's just one criterion The other criterion, Sir Howie, is whether that experience has shaped these people, this group of people, this group's consciousness about who they are as a generation, and therefore, yung politics din nila. May mga sociologists uh, na nagsasabi na actually you can argue na mayroong pandemic generation na. Again, marami sa kanila, Sir Howie, ay nasa nasa west no nasa, nasa global north no north america western europe and they're saying that these are young people who are going to demand a lot more from their government gonna demand a lot more of public health uh, interventions from their leaders and who will be more concerned about um, the efficiency of 
of public health uh, interventions. Sa Pilipinas, parang hindi ko alam kung yun din ang experience natin eh. Kasi, alimbawa, yung farmally, parang lumalampas lang, di ba? I want to go back to politics then, which happened during the pandemic. But all of us who were observing the campaigns, no, makita natin talaga yung mga, lalo na yung mga, uh, itong uh, mga university-based nga na youth, no? itong mga middle-class youth na naging aktivista. And I don't want to overgeneralize it then. I mean, I know, I know some urban poor communities na, who who were also very involved in the in the Robredo campaign. What are the chances na years from now all these young people who first tasted politics in the Robredo campaign will be known as the pink generation. Yung yung emotion na, na experience nila, yung campaign which lasted for yung isipin mo yung yung Ed, yung Edsa revolution was just or yung people power was just 4 days. Hanggang ngayon, parang pinag-uusapan pa, no? Itong Robredo campaign, itong pink campaign, lasted months, no? And then may nag-house to house, may nag-volunteer, may nag-pinta. And then I'm asking you, I guess, to look at look look at a crystal ball in a way, no? Your soci- sociological crystal ball. Was that experience a generation-defining one? It's possible, Sir Howie. It's possible. But let me also say, and again, I am saying this to tickle our imagination and our understanding of this generation. People, especially young people, participate in something, movement, for example, because they believe in it and because they are effective in it and because they have a voice in it. Because they believe in it, they participate in it because they have a voice in it. Pag tinanggal mo lahat yung mga ganyang elements, they wouldn't have any motivation to participate in it. For a long, long time, Sir Howie, makikita natin na yung political consciousness ng mga kabataan in spite of all the protests na nakikita natin sa media and so forth even in the time of libing ng mga bayani mm. or even before that you know mga ganun, mga mm. ruptures and so forth mm-hmm. or the act, the youth activists of uh, state universities for that matter mm. the reality is the general pattern among young people is that they would rather uh, isolate themselves from politics Bakit? Even in my own research, narinig ko na paulit-ulit, Kuya Jay, eh bakit naman ako magpa-participate sa mga politiko na yan or susuporta sa kanila, gagamitin lang naman nila kami tuwing election. After nun, wala na silang gagawin para sa amin. Mm-hmm. What's so unique about the pink movement, if you will, is that, wow, all of a sudden, you've got young people investing in politics. Is that a defining moment? We can dare say that it can be a defining moment, especially if it is sustained. That to me is the crucial element here. Kung masusustain yon, yung kanilang participation, yung kanilang pagtataya, at yung kanilang tinig ay maririnig. Lahat yun naramdaman nila yun doon eh. Hindi nila naramdaman yan in previous dispensations, you know? political dispensations. Uh, it can only, and this is, I think, hindi siya, I'm not looking uh, into the crystal ball, you know, as if prophesying of what would happen. I am looking in the, into the crystal ball and saying, this is what needs to be done. If we want to, dif- to this generation to capitalize on what they have experienced in the past year or months, we need to work together, the academe, the media, civil society, and so forth, and really rely on these young people and put them at the forefront of decision-making, participation, saying a lot of things about what should be done in our society. That could make a difference. Okay. And it's, a, it's just an empowering empowering message for the youth. So thank you for I that. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope so, uh, sir. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, I have a 19-year-old at home uh, myself who needs to hear something like that. 
So, uh, enough of the youth, and I want to ask you. I, I want to ask you then about another uh, area of uh, expertise that you have in re religion in society. You know, we're we're a religious country, and I want to ask you about a contradiction that I'm sure con has confounded m many people, probably including scholars like yourself. You no. Know? So we're a religious country. And this has been said also about America, which is also a very religious country, at least a big part of it. No? And yet, so many inhumane, cruel, unchristian things happen in the Philippines, which is supposed to be a religious country. You know? There's so much social inequality, social injustice. Parang these contradictions have been staring at us in the face for centuries, no? <laughs> ever since organized religion was introduced uh, in the Philippines no parang hindi natin masolve solvian to make to parang to make our society parang more consistent with our spiritual beliefs or or ganun talaga i mean or or is religion maybe at the root of our problems <laughs> you want me to be honest you want me to be provocative <laughs> i want you to be honest <laughs> Because religion is in, in itself is also an unequal system, right? It also thrives in a lot of inequality and a lot of exploitation. Patriarchy, for example, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, this is one of the reasons why a lot of people, especially in, in the experience of young people around the world, so literature, so sociology of religion, they're turned off by religion because when they hear the word religion, they think of power. They think of exploitation. They think of sexual abuses that are being swept under the carpet. They're thinking of um, patriarchy, you know, uh, and and certainly colonialism and imperialism. May ganong classing consciousness ang maraming kabataan in in many parts of the world, especially in the global north. And so you don't find them in the churches. And so therefore, they're drawn to things like spirituality, more individualistic, more uh, more introspective. So. So Filipinas, I think in a way, we also need to nuance what religion we're talking about, what sort of experience we're talking about. So bagaman merong, uh, meron tayong mga, especially in Christianity, a lot of uh, movements right now that are drawn to prosperity preaching, which are certainly very introspective. Um, let me discover my passion and my purpose in life. God wants to bless me and God wants me mm -hmm. to be rich so that I could bless other people. Very individualistic pa rin yung orientation na yun. Meron din naman tayo mga religious movements, Sir Howie, that are very progressive. Diba? Back in the 1970s and, and when you were in college, you would remember uh, in the, uh, or maybe 1980s, yung, yung, yung pag-usbong ng, ng uh, progressive Christian groups, for example. Uh, who the, were in, in theology of liberation. <laughs> exactly. Nanamatay, unfortunately, no, uh, from the 1990s onwards, at pinalitan ng prosperity preaching. No, El Shaddai, Catholic Charismatic Movement, and ngayon nakikita natin uh, with other um, prosperity preachers, both in the evangelicals and the Catholic world. Pero gayon pa man, meron pa rin tayo mga religious movements that are still drawn to that. I think we need to know exactly what we're talking about. Possible kasi na may mga religious groups that are really very progressive, but they're very marginal. But and at the same time, meron tayo mga religious groups, priests, pastors, who enjoy the privileges of being in cahoots with powerful people. Okay, I, I have to I have to say, yung ganyang uh, 
you know, critical perspective on religion and organized religion. You know? uh, you'd expect that from a professor in a secular university, as maybe a state <laughs> university, UP. You, you're, you're a professor at Ateneo de Manila University. You know? uh, I guess it's a credit then to the Ateneo that they would yeah. that they would allow that kind of free thinking, independent thinking, even if you know it would be you know sometimes i guess in 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 classes in the classroom sometimes you you'd probably be attacking you know the church itself because of its history and itong mga sinasabi mo ngayon i'm sure it's uh, you're quite open about about that with your students as well no so wala bang pushback uh, you know uh, coming from you know teaching at a catholic university so how do you get along with uh, all of the religious people <laughs> at a catholic university alam mo sir how we surprisingly I get along pretty well with them, no? Because siguro I am also, I think Ateneo is a, is a different animal, <laughs> progressive and very uh, open-minded when it comes to gender issues, uh, social mm-hmm. justice, and so forth. And also very reflexive. Aware din naman ng mga marami po mga colleagues sa Ateneo of the privileges that we mm-hmm. enjoy, you know, as, a, and, as an elite and sometimes elitist university, no? Pero ang um, mahalaga doon sa palagay ko ay ito ang experience ko sir Howie as a teacher nawa as a teacher in the classroom the more that i am critical about faith and religion like this the more that students fall in love with um, number one sociology and then number two um, this thinking makes them value what sort of christianity do they really want you know what i mean mm-hmm. now now is it a lot of my students uh, for example would say and this is again reflected in my own my first uh, book on, on young people being you know being catholic etc uh, i may not necessarily go to mass every week i may not necessarily know, know all the sacraments and all be practicing all of that mm. the, the traditional piety but mm. it doesn't mean that i am less catholic in fact i mm. feel that i am more catholic eh, bakit mo naman nasabi yan? Siyempre, magpa-follow-up question ako sa interviews ko with these young people. And then they would tell me, well, sa totoo lang, would I rather go to mass and fall asleep? Or would I rather volunteer for GK and mm-hmm. and do something that makes a difference dun sa community na yun? And para sa kanila, yung mga ganong klaseng, um, uh, I call it action-oriented spirituality, mm-hmm. ano? Uh, mm-hmm. mas gusto nila may impact yung kanilang pananampalataya, to them, that convinces them that this is what their faith is all about. So I think this is an encouragement to all my fellow educators out there that to be critical about religion is not necessarily to attack religion and faith per se. In fact, for all you know, uh, it might even encourage young people to discover exactly what do they really value about their faith and what do they not. Okay, um, in a recent paper, yung contesting unfreedom to be queer and Christian in the Philippines. Um, that's one of your more recent um, uh, writings. No, you explore religion, Christianity, and also you you know what it means to be LGBT in this kind of country, religious country with a lot of you know organized religion. Before I ask you, no, yung basic thesis mo, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I've also been in- interested in this contradiction, no, uh, because there, there have been uh, LGBTQ members of my family, uh, even of an, uh, even an older generation, no. Uh, so since I was a child, I was exposed, no. I, so, major I grew, I grew up open-minded about it, uh, simply because out of exposure, lang. Anyway. Uh, yung, con- yung contradiction about this to me has always been 
when foreigners talk about our LGBT communities in the Philippines, they're very full of respect and even admiration of Philippine society because they find us liberal and tolerant no compared to other cultures no and you've traveled you've seen how open a lot of lgbt members are in this country versus you, you, they're not as visible in in even in liberal countries in europe diba you, you walk around you don't they're, they're not that visible diba and yet here they're very visible no but you have another perspective ang sinasabi mo nga ay lgbtq communities in the philippines are not free no uh, parang in fact persecuted um by by conservatives um so is this looking at our society and our culture half empty rather than half full <laughs> uh, consider i mean okay i mean no 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 society is perfect ba? um and even even my own family uh there was some backlash from uh, an even older generation towards towards the generation older than me my basically a sibling of my mom no was was a very was a very open gay man who had conflicts um with his father no i mean i, I guess that was typical and especially in that generation no? but in the end he was the most considered the most successful member of the family um uh in terms of his professional accomplishment in terms of you know his financial uh situation and siya nakatulong sa buong pamilya and he there was a great deal of respect for him um and among his circles no so yun ang, yun ang exposure ko no and of course going to college and and um being exposed then to a, a, a lot of members of the LGBT community who who seem to be to me you know uh accepted naman and they didn't have a they didn't seem to have a, a lot of issues or complaints at least not not complaining to me you know pero yun nga eh, um you you wrote this whole piece about um how how they're not free uh in the philippines alam mo sir how we is it really half empty half full um and this is why kanina diba when you ask me our define sociology define what, what does a sociologists do rebelde heretical right when everybody thinks that we're good we see something bad uh, it's the nature of the beast that is sociology uh to be honest there are so many things that we can celebrate as a people when it comes to gender uh, the, the struggle for gender equality right there are indicators uh, that say that compared to many southeast asian countries we are in fact the most open and the most tolerant lgbt tolerant um some people might even assume it's thailand eh? but pero certain indicators no sa survey mm-hmm. indicators say that actually we are far more mm-hmm. pero ang syempre ang contradiction niyan eh hanggang saan yon eh pag kung tayo ay napaka-tolerant eh bakit hindi matasapasa ang SOGI equality bill kung tayo ay napaka-accepting sa mga LGBT bakit hanggang ngayon walang recognition man lang sa mga same-sex partnerships at alam natin kasi na may material consequences yon kapag hindi ka recognized na in partnership officially with somebody of the same sex di ba hindi mo maipapasa yung property mo dun sa taong yon etc uh, when you die for example so those things no so kami sa iyo sa mundo ko sa sociology of religion naman kasama si Robin Dudley with whom I co-wrote that journal mm-hmm. article yung contesting on freedom we were very much interested in ano yung mga experiences ng mga young adults as they were growing up in 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 Christian families and mm-hmm. and para medyo broad yung aming spectrum sir Howie we covered different 
Christian denominations and traditions, no? From the most conservative, let's say Iglesia ni Cristo or Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witnesses, to the most liberal, uh, kasama dyan ang UCCP, ang mga Aglipayan, at saka yung Metropolitan Community Church, which is really LGBT-affirming, no? Na, na community. So lahat yun, in-interview namin ang iba't-ibang mga uri ng mga, mga young adults, no? Uh, and they told us their stories at paulit-ulit, Sir Howie, yung isang salita, wounds. Wounds. Paulit-ulit naming narinig yun. Uh, wounds, sugat. Are, sugat, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mga wounds na experience nila and that already is very indicative of the experiences that they uh, that they had when they were growing up up until now. Saan lumalabas yung mga wounds na yon? You name it. Schools, of course, you find it there. Uh, church, definitely. Whether it's a school or a church, merong expectation na ah, pagbakla ka, dapat, pin- ano yan, dapat pagpakalalaki ka or dapat ang lalaki hindi umiiyak. Yung little things like those can mm-hmm. already be forms of microaggression mm-hmm. uh, against your sexuality, your orientation, or your gender identity. Tapos, ang pinakamalala niya, yung, yung other end of the spectrum ng microaggression ay yung conversion therapy. No? At nakikita rin natin yan in, um, mm-hmm. not just in conservative families, but certainly in, in fundamentalist, some of them evangelical churches um, mm-hmm. without naming them. Some of them can refer to the article para makita nila kung sino mga church ang tinutukoy namin doon. Pero meron talaga eh. In fact, may experience yung isa namin na interview na um, nagkaroon siya ng HIV and then he mm-hmm. opened up to his family about it. At ang sabi na kanyang mag- mga magulang, tingnan mo, hindi ba dapat nag-usap na tayo, di ba dapat binago ka na ng Panginoon noon? Di ba dapat straight ka na? Bakit pinagpatuloy mo yung lifestyle na yan? Mm-hmm. So itong taong to, um, itong taong to, hindi niya nakuha yung assurance from the parents when he discovered that he had HIV. So yun na nga, lumaki na nga siya with this struggle, tapos nagkaroon siya ng HIV, mm-hmm. uh, nagatungan pa. So wound after another wound. Okay, well, that all that being said, no, I, I didn't mean to... Uh, downplay or deny? Oh no, uh, no, not at all. The, the, so. Yeah, the the. Opera, I mean, pe- people listening might think that. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking at LGBT issues through rose-colored lenses. Na banggit ko nga na yung uncle ko nga eh, uh, medyo pinapalo nung bata siya. No, and and I do know. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a news person. No, so I I know that there there have been many instances where inaapit talaga yung uh, members of the LGBT. I mean, the, the one sensational case that comes to mind that I I, I want to ask you about is the Jennifer Laude no? uh, issue. Uh, just to recall for those who might not uh, easily remember, si Jennifer Laude ay uh, pinatay o napatay doon sa uh, isang uh, motel room by a U.S. Uh, uh, soldier on on leave, on, on shore leave. I want to mention this this debate or discussion I had with other journalism colleagues no kasi she was a trans no so she self identified as Jennifer Laude no um, but on his birth certificate she was Jeffrey Laude no so <laughs> una there was a debate how will we identify this person in news articles no because it was basically a, it's, it's a crime story basically um and the victim uh, happened to be LGBT of course and daming issues related to that no um and then uh, and then we got into this discussion because uh, I have colleagues who also who are gay, no, gay men uh, mostly, no, and they were saying no, we should go by the self-identification, no, and yet their family was calling them, um, calling him by his 
name on his birth certificate and even the police no and then yung yung but his friends were insisting na tawagin siya ng Jennifer tawagin siyang she her i know that a lot of people are struggling with this now no and i hear about it um you know i have a son in college um and i was just talking to a classmate of of his na umalis daw siya sa kanyang Catholic high school because the admin of that school and the faculty did not know how to deal with the LGBT identity issues like yung sa pronouns for example no yung mga his him she her their uh parang i guess they they were insisting na you know they would they should using um, the pronouns that you know quote unquote god determined for them parang ganon no walk us down this identity issue just real quick uh just as an overview you know um kasi i guess that's some of the basic pag sinabi mong wounds no i mean there are extreme cases of course of hate crimes but i suppose this would be a more common one no um people struggling with their identity and not being accepted no uh even on that level of uh schools are not you know not accepting self-identification uh, in that way. Uh-oh. we haven't really advanced as a society just yet when it comes to this you know, the recognition of the trans sila talaga ang pinaka invisible ang pinaka visible would be the maybe the the gay and the bisexual men and then the lesbians and then and then there are different modes of invisibility pa rin naman between among the gay and the bisexual and then the lesbian women pero pero yung pinaka really like just totally marginalized from conversations and recognition uh yung mm-hmm. trans no at laging na-associate sila with entertainment or yeah prostitution yung mga ganyan every all the discourse that revolved around Jennifer Lauke um this is an opportunity for us, you know, dito sa public, you know, whether you're uh, uh, you're a parent of somebody who, you know, uh, who uh, who uh, of of a child who's or of a of a of a of a teenager or a young adult na might be in might be claiming to be a trans, for example, to really start recognizing the dignity of that person. Um, there's only so much that forcing these pronouns on that person because that's what is, it, is, it, is in the certif- certificate uh, can, can accomplish. Eh. Uh, pero, pero if this person really believes that and, and, and sees herself, for example, as a woman, hindi ba mas merong dignidad yun na i-honor natin yun? Naiintindihan ko lang though, Sir Howie, kasi then kung saan nagagaling yung, yung, yung the conservative or fundamentalist reaction. No, marami dyan galing sa relihiyon. Uh, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Paulit-ulit ko narinig yan in the course of my work. Um, babae at lalaki lang ginawa, wala sa gitna. No? Um, I leave it to the theologians to unpack all of that for us. Pero gusto ko lang din maintindihan ng publiko, ng mga na, 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 kasama natin ngayon, that ma- many of these biblical beliefs are being used to, to hurt people who may not necessarily, necessarily agree with these beliefs. It is as if tayo lang ang merong tamang paniniwala at lahat ng hindi naniniwala sa atin ay pupunta sa impyerno. I think it's time for uh, the Filipino public to recognize that we are a diverse society and as a diverse and plural society there are there should be space for different 
convictions and different beliefs. Does this force you to really uh, subscribe to the ideology, if you will, or to the to the gender identity or expression of the other person? No, at the very least, is respect the place of that person in our society. It takes a lot of effort to get to that point, Sir Howie, because religion, fundamentalism, gets in the way. But if we could recognize the human dignity behind that facade, you know, that person who, and, and who is so, so obviously hurting, we might be a little more willing to compromise. And I think that's what we need in our society. From then on, mas, malay, mas marami na tayong ma-accomplish pa. Understanding, conversations. Those are very good ideas to end on. Uh, respect, human dignity, compassion, compromise with each other. May I say something? I mean, maybe mm. this will be my closing spiel, no? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we began on the note that sociologists are rebellious. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's precisely because we believe that our society can be more just than it is. That we are rebellious. Um, the social sciences, uh, especially sociology, um, the conservatives really think. And oh, I'm, I'm, I'm as a Christian myself. I am. I don't think my Christian friends understand really know where to place me. Am I conservative? Am I fundamentalist? Am I progressive? No, because I'm a sociologist, but I also I'm also a believer. Um, but in reality, uh, it's really because of my work as a sociologist that I appreciate what faith can really do for our country. What faith has done against certain people in our country, essentially the sexual minorities, um, mm-hmm. those who are gay and the bisexual, the, the LGBTQ+, no, in particular. But I also know that faith, there's a lot in faith, in the convictions that we believe in, that can also be very much emancipatory, that can liberate people. Uh, truth, justice, mercy, compassion, human dignity. These are all virtues that we find in our faith. And I hope that many of us Filipinos will encounter all these virtues as we mature as a society. Well, thank you for that hope. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and thank you for thinking about these very difficult topics no, that are confounding so many of us these days. No? Maraming salamat, Dr. Jake Cornelio, TOIM awardee. Mabuhay ka. Maraming salamat, Sir Howie. Salamat po sa inyong lahat na nakapakinig sa atin ngayon. Thank you, Podmates, for staying until the very end of this podcast. This episode was produced by RC Formales and Chan Salvador and edited by JR Magtoto with the wonderful people of GMA News and Public Affairs Digital. Alam nyo na, Podmates, nakakatalino ang mahabang attention span. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Until the next pod, mabuhay kayo at ingat lagi.